Hello, and welcome to the Learn to Mediate Online podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and I'm one of the leading experts in online mediation. I have personally been mediating online for over five years now, and I have my own fully online family law mediation and coaching practice. Two years ago, after so many of my colleagues reached out wanting to know how I was doing it, I created the Learn to Mediate Online training program. And to date, I have personally trained thousands of mediators in how to successfully conduct their mediations through an online platform. As a leading figure in the online mediation movement, I am privileged to be on the cutting edge of developments and advances in online practice. And this podcast has been created to share that information with you. So tune in each week to get the inside story on how to mediate online. I invite you to now listen to today's podcast. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today is part two of this special series I'm doing on how to digitally market for dispute resolution professionals. This is not something that we learn as professionals in our training, and it's really in the world we live in today, the world we work in today, the virtual digital online world in which the entire world is operating, we need to have an understanding of how to reach out to clients, how to market our services digitally in an online platform. So. Part one came out last week on the podcast. If you haven't watched it yet, I do highly recommend that you go back and watch or listen to part one uh, before you listen to or watch part two, which we're about to go into today. Part one covered branding, how to determine what your individual marketing branding is, what you stand for, what you're selling, who you're reaching out to. And then today we're gonna take that a step further and we're going to go into setting your marketing strategy. So, you know, everybody always jumps ahead to like, well, I'm gonna start posting on social media or I'm gonna start putting out blog posts or I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. You are, I talked about this in part one, it's really that spaghetti approach of just throwing content out there without having a plan is really just a lot of wasted effort in most cases. Yes, some of it may stick, but it's slowly going to slide down that refrigerator or down the wall, um, as in the spaghetti analogy, right? What you are better doing in trying to you know get out there and minimize your effort for the maximum bang for your buck or bang for that effort is to have a good digital marketing strategy. So for those who are watching this on the video, I'm going to share my screen. Don't worry if you are listening to this on the podcast, I will describe everything that we are showing, but I do have visuals. If you'd like to go watch it on the uh, YouTube channel, you can access that through the learntomediateonline.com website. Uh, both the podcast and the videos are available there. So today we're going to talk about the five steps to setting your digital marketing strategy and doing it right. 
um, because again, I don't want you wasting a lot of effort and a lot of time. That's just disheartening when you're doing all this effort to try and attract clients, to build your presence. And instead of doing that, you're really just adding more to your plate in time. So let's get started with step one. Um, Step one is setting a measurable goal. So this is, you know, what is it you are trying to achieve? And this is really where you need to start. Are you trying to attract new clients? Are you trying to raise your profile? Are you trying to get more referrals? Are you you know, trying to reach new markets. So these are all important questions for you to be considering. It's really the what are you trying to achieve? And then measurable is the other keyword here. You have to put some thought into what the goals actually are. So I mentioned, you know, when I started talking about setting a goal, I want to get more clients. I wanna have more people hire me to do their mediations, let's use that. Well, is it one more client per month? Is it one more client per week? Is it 20 more clients per month? What would feel like a goal as you get started? And one thing that I will highly recommend is you start out with a sliding scale on that goal. Give yourself an attainable goal, an achievable goal. It's it's like when we set our New Year's resolution at the beginning of the year and it's, I want to lose 50 pounds. You're better off, and, and that's often the goal, I want to lose 50 pounds. A more, science shows a more achievable goal is I want to lose 50 pounds in a reasonable period of time. And if you calculate that and back into it where they say one to two pounds per week, you're really talking then about, you know, 25 to 50 weeks to lose 50 pounds. So the goal might actually be, I want to lose a pound a week to be down 50 pounds in 50 weeks or one year. So maybe you're talking about, I want to lose a pound a week in a year instead of, I wanna lose 50 pounds. By having measurable goals, and, and what you've just set there in the weight loss example, you can get on the scale and measure whether you achieved a one pound weight loss every week, as opposed to 50 pounds, when will you have achieved it? How will you achieve it? So sit down and, be, you know, this is again another time where I really would like you to put that pen to paper and just scribble down some goals. And it does not have to be just one goal. Very often as professionals, especially when it comes to marketing and attracting people, we want to do several things. We want to attract more clients. We want to raise our profile. We want to reach new markets and potentially explore additional services or additional service offerings. So you know, break this down into buckets and then break those down into quantifiable goals. So that's a, your important step one. Step two is to identify your target audience. So it means knowing who you're trying to reach, what their interests are, and how you 
can address those interests. So it's sort of a three-pronged approach, right? So again, let's let's start with I want to attract more clients. So I want to get more mediation clients. Their interests are resolving their employment disputes related to sexual discrimination. And I can address those because I am a longtime litigator in employment matters, specializing in sexual discrimination, sexual harassment, whatever those issues might be. I have a track record. I have a certain number of years. I, you know, whatever your particular um, branding capabilities are. And this goes back to the exercise that you did in part one. So you're identifying that target audience. But again, you want to be drilling down. You're talking about potential clients. We use this employment um, example. Where are those clients? Are you trying to attract the, the parties themselves? Are you trying to attract the attorneys handling the cases? Are you trying to attract referrals from companies and businesses? Um, how are you going to approach it? And again, you may have different buckets of target audiences. And we're going to dive right now into an exercise that's going to help you identify your target audiences. So the exercise, and I love this one, and I have to give full credit to HubSpot. Um, they came up with this, and I think it's a it's a really great way for you to be sort of visualizing how to create and rank your clients um, and, and your target audience. So what they have you do or suggest you do is create or make your own client personas. Um, and I have a picture on the screen here of a bunch of mannequins, right? Where you're going to create different client personas that are fictionalized general descriptions of your key customer groups. Now, again, we were talking before, it might be the people who are having the dispute, the actual clients themselves. It might be the attorneys who handle those disputes. It might be the companies that are experiencing employee um, conflict or disputes in, within the company. Um, so identify your key customer groups. Think about them and group them into three or four buckets. And I suggest just draw, you know, putting persona one, persona two, persona three, and maybe persona four up at the top of the page. And then take each one of those and give each one a name and create a character for each one. Give them a personality, think about them. And in that, I really mean, so if you have, you know, Clyde client and you have Benny businessman and you have, Arthur attorney or Annie attorney. So there's their names. Make them into people or personas that you can identify and their interests, um, how they would be approaching and what they would be interested in. An attorney who handles workplace matters, employment matters, will have perhaps certain interests you might want to be putting out there. They might be interested in current case law. They might be interested in um, the state of HR and uh, in 
you know, interesting articles on human resources, um, interesting in decisions on sexual harassment cases. Um, that's just one example, right? Uh, the, the clients themselves might be interested in statistics about settling versus litigating cases. Um, so, so be identifying different buckets of information. And then last but not least, rank those personas in order of their importance to your campaign, to your strategy. Who's your most likely? Is it the attorneys that you usually get your cases from? They're going to be your top persona. Then is it the businesses? You might going to have them in the second place persona. And maybe the third place would be those people who are interested, the clients themselves, the parties in the dispute. So that would be a way to go through this and create it. So our, is your top target audience um, Arthur Attorney, right? Because Arthur Attorney is where you're most likely going to be getting the most referrals or the most client cases coming in. So put them in order, have an understanding of your client personas. Then we're going to go and dive into step three, which again harkens back to the first part of this series. So the last podcast episode, which is knowing your brand inside out. So that branding exercise you did in part one, you are now going to look to what your branding is, what your particular brand is, and apply it to those client personas. How does your brand appeal to them and why do they want to hire you? And this is where you're bringing your audience and your brand together, right? So this is, again, you're going to be looking to be doing this and carrying this forward on your paper, on this, you know, actual written format that you're creating. And you're going to say for Arthur Attorney, my brand is I'm one of the top you know, sexual discrimination mediators in the country with a success rate uh, of of um, resolution in a certain percentage. I've handled some key cases for X, Y, and Z corporation. You know, what are the aspects of your brand that appeal to Arthur Attorney? And then what are the key aspects of your brand that appeal to the Benny business. I think that was the name I used, Benny business, the business owners or the business and the companies and the corporate um, client and persona. And then last but not least, what about you and your brand is appealing to um, Clive client, right? How are you appealing to him? Because he's your third place persona. And you're going to want to plot that out, again, very specific to your brand. And that's what I mean by knowing your brand inside out, knowing what you bring to the table. And you can constantly be tweaking that and likely will be constantly tweaking that. So get this down, have those tranches very clearly defined of what you, mediator, dispute resolution professional, bring to the table for each of your client personas. One key factor is step four that many people forget to do when they are setting up their digital marketing strategy. And it's it's unfortunate to skip over this one because you can learn a lot by checking out your competition. 
Go and look at what your direct competitors, your indirect competitors, and your comparators are all doing. And you're like, well, wait a minute, Susan, what, what does that all mean? So let's let's walk through it. You have direct competitors out there, likely, unless you are very, very niche. Then you there are people, other people who are handling sexual harassment employment claims um, in mediation or arbitration, right? You are not the only person doing it. Uh, so identify direct competitors, and those people are going after the exact same tranches of clients or client personas. Then think of those indirect competitors, those who are offering service to the same clients, but not in the same way that you do. And as an example, that might be litigators who handle um the sexual harassment claims. It might be EEOC. It might be whatever, uh, you know, whoever else is out there offering services. It might be therapists who work with clients um, who have been in sexual harassment situations. Um, you know, as people who are offering services to your client base, but not the same services. Um, the same way that you are offering them services. And then you're going to have the comparators. And those are people who are offering services with a similar feel, but not what you do. And those would be other, probably other dispute resolution professionals, mediators, arbitrators, but in different fields. So go and out there and do your due diligence. See who's doing what and how they're doing it and, and what's working for them. And you'll get a sense of that. You'll see their messaging. You'll see what they're putting out there that seems to resonate with people. You can ask them in some cases. Many times people are willing to share. You can Google search and find out what people are doing. But it's really, really helpful to go and take a look at what the competition is doing and layer that information into your marketing strategy. So for example, if one of your competitors is doing a weekly blog that is on topics relevant to sexual harassment, um, you know, that he's, that they're putting out on the re on a regular basis on their website, through their social media, and they speak on it, you know, a, a, in a webinar once a month or something of that nature, that may be something that you want to consider layering into your digital marketing strategy. You won't exactly copy it because the content's already there from them, but you may want to come up with your own content in those formats. So definitely go and spend a little time checking it out. I, I highly recommend this, by the way, on social media because there are people out there who are killing it in the social media um, space in your area and in other areas that are collateral, your comparators. Go out there and see what they're doing. Are they, and where they are. Are they on LinkedIn? Are they on Instagram? Are they on Facebook? Are they on Twitter? Those are the things that you, as a professional getting out there online, will want to know. So go and check it out. Check out their websites. Your direct competitors, you know, most especially. Go see what they have on there. I'm not saying copy it. You may want to even do it better, but see what they have on there that resonates with you, seems to resonate with others. And then step five, and we've talked about this throughout, is you need to get ready to measure your efforts. You have to know 
whether what you're putting out there is actually working, whether it's bringing you what you want. So going back to step one, your measurable goal. Now we're at step five, measuring whether you're getting to your goal. And I'm gonna use the example of creating and posting a social media post. So you're going to go to the effort, and, and we'll talk in, in for, uh, later episodes of this series on how to create a social media post. But in general, uh, you would create this post with a some sort of a graphic um, that can be created on Canva or one of the, uh, di- the graphic design apps or, or websites. You'd create a graphic, you'd create some content, you know, a post, what you want to say, that you draw them in with the picture, you you get them with a headline, and then you have some content. You will always put a call to action at the end of your content. So, you know, if you'd like to know more, or if you'd like to talk to me about mediating your matter, or if you'd like to, you know, read more of this blog or get more information, visit my website, contact me at, give me a call, send me a direct message. Those are all calls to action. So you post that out there. You post it on LinkedIn. You post it on Facebook. You post it on Instagram. You put it out on Twitter. So we're talking specifically here about a social media post. How do you measure? Well, you look at several different markers. I've given you a few here to think about. One, how many impressions did you get? How many people saw this? Each one of these digital social media platforms has a way for you to get analytics, which are going to tell you how many people have actually viewed the post or they call it impressions, they call it views. Um, Depends on the the platform you're on. So you're gonna wanna go look at that. Some people, you know, some posts will get an enormous amount of impressions, number of impressions or views, but maybe not much engagement. Engagement doesn't equal the same thing. So you're going to want to know actually in the feed how many people are even seeing it. Then you're going to want to check on your engagement. And that is how many people liked your post, how many people commented on your post, how many people shared your post. Engagement is one of the key ways to get your impressions up. But it doesn't always translate because you could have a ton of likes but no comments and shares. You're going to probably have lower impressions or views than something that incited a lot of comments or people to share what you put out there. So if you have a lot of likes, comments, and shares, are they the type that mean that people are engaging with what you put out there? A really key factor is are people clicking on your call to action? So if you said, go to my website, are they clicking on the link to go to the website? Is it actually happening? And you, again, the analytics can tell you that for these platforms. You could have a thousand, two thousand, thousands of impressions, but if no one clicks on that call to action, are you going to call that a successful post? We'll talk about that in a minute. And then you want, are you actually getting leads? So just because they click on your website or click on the contact me or click on the send me an email? Did they actually inquire about your services, speak to you, take it that step further? 
And you don't have to have all of those things because statistics would show it's going to take a number of clicks to your call to action to get one lead. You know, quantity does count here um, because quantity leads to that one quality lead. But you're going to want to be looking at all of these things. And for each different you know, practitioner, different impressions, engagements, clicks, leads, those are going to mean different things. Bottom line, are they getting you closer to that step one goal? And you're going to want to be able to measure your efforts, whether you're putting out a blog post, whether you are speaking, doing a speaking engagement, whether you are putting out printed materials, whether you have created a downloadable book or checklist or other asset for people to download, is it getting you closer to what those original goals were, which was one more additional new client through digital marketing a month, a week, a year, you know, whatever your goal was. So you need to be able to measure those efforts. And you need to stay on top of that. In fact, I usually check my engagement with social media and how my website's doing. Are people clicking through to my websites um, daily? I mean, definitely weekly, if not daily. I'm just checking to see what's working and what's not. Because you're going to, based on your measurements, tweak your efforts, refine your efforts, hone in on your efforts. You could spend your entire day putting out content to the world. Don't do it unless you know it's getting you somewhere. Do it once and see if it helps. But if it's not going to help you, if you can't tweak what you're doing to make it more effective, find another course. And I think that that is you know, such an important factor for people to understand as they work on their digital marketing strategy. So we've walked through the five essential steps of a digital marketing strategy. Now you'll be able to move into putting this into place. And that's what we're going to start talking about next week in part three. We're going to talk about implementing that digital marketing strategy. Where do you actually start? Do you start with your website? Do you start with blogging? Do you start with getting out on social media? And I would say it's a combination of all those. And we're going to talk about how there's actually a nice cycle where when you can create one thing, it will cycle around and feed all of your other outlets um, so that you can create one thing and get it out in, in different places and use it for different purposes in digital marketing. It is another way where you can be more effective with less effort on your part. So I hope you're finding this helpful. Definitely listen to part one if you haven't yet and tune in next week for part three when we get you started implementing your digital marketing strategy. Thanks so much, everyone. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of the Learn to Mediate Online podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, and if you liked this episode, please give me a five-star rating on iTunes and tell me what you liked in a review. You can join me each week to hear another episode, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss anything. Send me your questions and comments at susan at learntomediateonline.com and you can find out more about my trainings and programs at learntomediateonline.com and mostonguthrie.com. I'll see you next week.